Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Reset and Release podcast, the podcast that is all about sex, safety, and satisfaction, and how sex integrates with every aspect of our world. So, I'm your co-host, Connor, and you'll be hearing from Josh in a second, but I want to tell you that this episode is a little bit different. This episode is a bonus track where we're going to share an event that we did yesterday called Bumpin' Minds. An event that was created because sexual and mental health is a grind, but it doesn't need to be. That's what we Trogo believe, and that's what we wanted to show you yesterday by bringing together a group of speakers from Queer Talk Podcast, from Teacup, the mental health app, and our favorite friend of the show, Rachel Jane Cook, the first guest on our podcast, as well as myself and Josh. So here we are. Enjoy. And if you like, crack out a glass of wine as you listen in, because we definitely had some last night. Thank you all for being here. Um, welcome to Bumpin' Minds, brought to you by Troglow in partnership with TU Dublin LGBTQ Plus Society, Oxford University LGBTQ Plus Society, and Liverpool LGBT Plus Society. Troglow was founded, this event was created, and you are all here today because, let's be honest, mental and sexual health is a grind. But luckily, we have put together a list of speakers and panelists who will hopefully make that grind a little bit less taxing. So we have great presenters from Queer Talk. We have Mufsin and Spencer. We have Dr. Mike Allen from Teacup, the fantastic mental health app. We have Rachel Jane Cook, integrated psychotherapist and sex and relationships expert and therapist on RTE. 2FM, Ireland's favorite radio, well, my favorite radio station, so Ireland's favorite radio station. And we also have Josh Armistead, the CEO of Trollo, the company that brought us all here together today and also was set up to bring uh, mental and sexual wellness to all of our lives. So that's all super exciting. And I've talked quite quickly. Yes, I've drank one glass of wine and I hope you potentially have two or if you started to. But I'd like you for a moment to just settle we're going to bring this down just just a notch. So I'd like you, wherever you are, to just take a big, deep inhale into your stomach, the deepest breath you've taken in all day. And just sigh everything out. Whatever way your, your day has been, whatever way your week has been or your year has been, don't worry about it. It's, it's all in the past now. And this evening, we've come together to share some tools that will help us to look after ourselves that little bit better for the rest of the evening, the rest of the week, the rest of the year, and for the weeks and months to come. So what I'd like you to do now before we begin is to come into a comfortable meditation posture. So what I mean by that is I'd like you to come off the support of your chair. I'd like you to place your hands on your laps your feet on the floor and you can close your eyes or lower your gaze and and what we're going to do is we're going to do one of my favorite mindfulness exercises it's called the mindful minute and all it is is we're going to breathe into our nose for five seconds we're going to hold our breath for two seconds and we're going to breathe out for five seconds and we'll do this five times to make up a mindful minute of breathing so when you're ready we can begin breathing in slowly four three two one holding one two breathing out four three two 
one and repeating four more times at your own pace. As you do this, listen to your breath, the noise of your breath, the noises in your room, the noises outside your room, the noise of my voice. And finish off whenever you get to the end of your cycle with another deep inhale, the deepest inhale you've taken all day. And sigh it all out. So much in our world is out of our control and that can bring us a huge amount of anxiety. But having a pattern of breathing like this, knowing how long to breathe in for, how long to hold for and how long to breathe out for can help us bring back some of that control and bring us into the present and, and just calm us down in a moment of overwhelm. So that's the mindful minute. And it's something that I, I do before calls, after calls, whenever I'm a little bit anxious. So you can take that into your world as your first tool and tip of the day. Well, actually, the first is to have a glass of wine. This is the second tip of the day. But enough from me, this guy, who's this Irish guy speaking? I didn't even introduce myself. Um, I'm Connor Stone, and I am your mindful moderator for this evening. But my role is to show you and give you the chance to hear from these amazing speakers uh, but you haven't really heard what Troglo is yet or why, you know, what, what is Troglo? Why is Troglo? You know, and so why not get CEO and founder of Troglo on? So we have Josh Armistead, who's going to come on. I've worked with Josh for three months now, and he's an amazing person with an amazing story. So Josh, please take it away with your slot and tell us why Troglo. Why Troglo indeed. Cheers, Connor. Um, so I think a little bit of an intro as to what Troglo is first. I mean, obviously we've sent out an intro. There's been some brief stuff. Some of you may have had a little look at us on troglo.io. Um, but essentially to start off with, Troglo is really about making sexual health conversations more familiar, helping people get over the taboos that kind of are present in sexual health, sexual education, discussing these topics and building out healthy relationships. And so that's really what we're aiming to do. And so the first element of that is building a platform that allows people to track log activities, gain education and have stuff that's personalized to them so it can help them in the way that they need. But the thing I really wanted to touch on to start off with and to sort of dive into is really how we came to, came to this point and why we started building Troglo. And that really comes from from two specific points and they were both quite personal to me and two moments of like quite serious uncertainty um the first was when i was about 19 i was on night out in london um i was with some friends and i was having a good time got a little bit drunk and ended up going home with some people um it was a fairly casual night just a hookup i was feeling relatively safe and confident in myself um, but the night sort of took a bit of a turn and, um, I ended up getting a bit more drunk than I would have liked to be and, um, was not fully in control of the sexual situation that was happening in that situation. Um, I ended up 
being exposed to slightly more risk than I would have wanted to. And in that instance, the person who I was having sex with um, without my permission had sex with me without a condom rather than with a condom as I'd asked. And for a good few years there, there was a lot of anxiety that that drew out of me. One in terms of in the moment, I didn't know what to do. Um, I hadn't been informed by anyone in terms of like, these are the precautions you can take for yourself. These are the ways to deal with it. And this is what the potential mental health implications could be. I was quite lucky in the instance that the person I was staying with when I left and went home that night was a doctor. And so he was there to support me and to tell me that I needed to go to Dean Street and that I could pick up PEP and that HIV wouldn't be a concern. But the mental health implications from that instance kind of stuck with me for far longer than I expected. And I didn't really deal with that for probably about three years after. Um, one of the long-term effects of that was that every time I had casual sexual encounters after that for a period of about a year, um, I used to get quite a serious twitch um, and my leg would become start jittering. Um, and I didn't really connect the two until I started having therapy a few years later. Um, and there was no real way for me to sort of communicate that. There was no real way for me to discuss it because I felt that I was in the wrong because the person was nice to me. And I felt that my reaction was very strange. Um, and so there was, there was kind of a, a sort of a big issue around that in terms of the way in which I'd been told to deal with sexual encounters. Sexual education in school doesn't prepare you for that. Sexual education in school doesn't teach you about STIs to quite a serious extent. It doesn't teach you about LGBTQ plus sex. It doesn't teach you about how to deal with the realities of having sex with someone in a casual setting, um, which are all quite serious things that people need to know about, but they're also very personal. And so it can be really difficult to ask to be told about these things. And so that's what we're developing Troglo to be able to do, to be able to help people identify where and how they can research and get access to these resources and essentially making it easier for them to find the answers without asking the questions, because that's the most difficult thing is having someone reach out to you and ask if you're okay and answer these questions when, if you're in a similar situation to me, you don't even know that you need to ask them. Um, so that's one thing we're doing. And that was like the first moment that sort of set me on this journey of like, how can I as a person fix some of the fundamental issues that I see with sexual health? Um, but that, like I said, was when I was 19. So it was a good few years from then until I actually got to the point of starting Troglo. Um, the second moment of uncertainty came a few years later um, when I was about 20, 22. Um, and I was having a conversation with um, a friend at a party. We were just regular chat. Um, we'd had a few drinks and out of the corner of my eyes saw a group of friends having a discussion and I could overhear what they were saying. And they were discussing the fact that one of my friends had started dating someone who had HIV. Um, the person was HIV, um, was undetectable. And that meant that they couldn't transmit the virus. And that means that the um, partner wasn't at any significant amount of risk and wouldn't be able to contract HIV from that person. The rest of the group of the friends though was incredibly ignorant to that point and was shocked with the fact that 
my friend would want to date someone who had HIV. And it was just this proliferation of stigma that I thought people, I thought we were past. I thought there was like, had been significant progress from that. And I was wrong. Um, I think given my background as um, having studied biology at university, like I probably overestimated the amount with which people want to know about this and the, the amount with which people do know about this. Um, and so I drunkenly walked over to the other side of the room and started having a little rant at um, giving a lecture about how HIV transmission works and how they were the issue rather than the person who had HIV and how it was their fault and their issue and that that shouldn't influence whether or not this person is someone that is worth being in a relationship with. Obviously, that is a ridiculous like notion and it makes no sense at all. And from that point, I really started thinking about okay cool these these two instances that have occurred these two very different like sort of feelings about like sexual health sexual wellness and what people know they both stem from the fact that education around sexual health sexual well-being mental health etc are fundamentally flawed um and then that's when i started thinking more significantly about like what can we do in this area how can we progress this conversation how can we move it past essentially people having embarrassing conversations with their parents looking at porn to become educated about sex which is obviously you know doesn't work or having conversations at school whereby it's abstinence only in some places in other places it's like you get a great teacher who is very progressive and in other places they teach you the bare minimum that you should use a condom if you don't want to have a child but don't teach you anything more than the absolute basics and that's kind of what led into the development of Troglo. Um, I think I think there is a lot more that we can do in this area, and I think it would be great to sort of like have longer conversations about this and to sort of see what we can do. And that's what me and Connor have been doing on the Reset and Release podcast, um, getting a lot of different perspectives from people from all different sections to discuss it. Um, but one other point I wanted to sort of make is sort of around the sort of leap of jumping through and sort of like trying to resolve these issues yourself. Um, for me as a queer entrepreneur, that's something that I'm really passionate about and that is a huge, a hugely like sort of impactful thing for me in terms of like making that leap and getting started and doing this as like a full-time job. Um, but I think it's something that because the decision makers in these areas tend not to be the ones that are most adversely affected by the issues. It does need more voices from minority communities to come in and take it. That doesn't just have to be sexual health. That's in pretty much every aspect that you're affected by. So that's something that I really advocate for. Um, and you know, if, if anyone wants to have a chat about that, then um, we'll throw my email out in the follow-up and I'd be really happy to jump on a call. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's kind of all I have to say on that. And let's, let's jump into the rest of the panel if you want to, Connor. Yes, of course. Uh, firstly, I want to say what I love about the team at Troglo is that all of the team are from different parts of the LGBTQ plus community. They're from different parts of the world, but they all have a story. They're willing to share their story and they're willing to commit their full-time jobs to making other people's journeys with sexual and mental health that little bit easier especially in the LGBTQ plus community. So and uh, that's why I love working with you all. And thank you, Josh. That's why you uh, should check out Troglo. I think subscribe to all of these people, download their apps, 
do whatever you need to do to get more of these amazing speakers in your lives. But for now, we are going into our panel discussion. So please feel free to send questions into the Q&A if you have any, and I will deal with them and, and put them to our amazing panelists as we, as we proceed through the evening. But I, I have a question for you all to start. And it, it's a very easy question. And lots of times it's thrown around. And the answer, especially where I come from, is grand. And then you move on to say if you're actually doing well or not doing well. So I'd like to say for me, I've had a stressful week. We're coming towards the end of the Textiles Accelerator program. Um, and yeah, it's been stressful. And also, I, I was waiting for a washing machine to come today, which is stressful. And also... I'm getting a, a little bit tipsy, I have to say, my wine disappears in the background. And um, so that's all that I'm feeling at the moment. So I'd like to ask you guys, how, how are you doing uh, genuinely at the moment? Um, I, I might go to uh, Mike first, how are things? Things are good, actually. Um, yeah, I also have finished my wine, so that also helps. But no, I'm, I've just had one glass, Connor, as opposed to a bottle there. So um, that's oh. one big difference. Between I didn't get that memo, you see. <laughs> No, um, yeah, no, things are good. I've, I've, um, I think, you know, I'm quite lucky. I've got um, the autonomy over like my working hours and things. So I've got um, a lot of work that I squeeze into a very tight schedule, but mix that with a house move. Um, but yeah, things, things are great for me. Um, there, there is, um, I seem to find that um, with, with my A&E work, especially there's, there's good days and bad days. Um, it's it's quite challenging at the best of times, and you know I've kind of developed um, coping mechanisms uh, for that myself. And you know they're predominantly in sport, um, talking to people and music, and those are the ways I kind of chill out and take some time for myself. Um, but I find also that teacup is a really, really healthy way of. Um, of connecting with with people good friends as well you know it, i've actually found it's um quite refreshing after an a and &E shift to get up and get on a zoom call with with the teacup guys because we we just have a bit of a laugh and uh, but but similar to you know spence and 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 Mufseen, you know having that um interaction and and social communication um is is really quite healthy where and it's also a safe space where, where you can talk about things so so yeah, that's kind of where awesome. I am at the minute. Good, good to hear. And you're moved into your new house and all. And the selfie, the selfie light is coming by Amazon tomorrow, I believe. Um, Rachel, how about you? How how have things been over the last few weeks and, and at the moment? They they've been really good actually for me. I um uh, feel like I got quite used during to during the first lockdown, just like really holding myself up in my flat and getting being focused on quite creative things and doing a lot of meditating and different sort of embodiment practices and getting involved in online conferences both as an attendee and then hosting things um and a lot of people are really struggling so i mean i'm definitely not short of, of clients to see and i suppose now the kind of uh, challenge is more how to support people um at it, with wider impact i suppose because i you know i think i will always keep seeing people individually and in couples but um it's nice to be able to to access more people as well um and so 
yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And I've actually started a, a romantic relationship during lockdown, which has been interesting because I got to meet them a couple of times just before we went back into lockdown. And so now we're back to video calling and uh, it's been great. It's been a very, it, it feels like a old school sort of courting process. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've actually really, really enjoyed getting to know someone in that way, which I think was kind of, my preference anyway but um often just doesn't happen I suppose in the real world when you're able to meet up and go on dates and and uh yeah now you you kind of have to get to know people at a, at a much deeper level yeah and maybe they'll join the the family zooms at some stage and that will be the real test of of are they are they good fit or not um Spencer I'll, I'll go over to you another person who started dating during a pandemic what a time to uh to get involved in the game Honestly, uh, for some reason it was easier during a pandemic than before to, to, find, <laughs> to find a man. But um, yeah, th things are okay. I think there's a lot of ups and downs and no one's in denial about that. But like I said, my coping mechanism is FaceTime. I've got different people who I'm also supporting and they're supporting me. And being able to connect with so many different people around different subjects instead of dumping everything on one person and then overwhelming them and you know not having that kind of help uh definitely pulls me through you know i call mufseen and rant about one thing then i rant to my mum to then to the next thing and then to someone else and just going round and round in circles gets it all off my chest gets a load of different perspectives from different people and reminds me that we're all in the same boat just you know from a different kind of lens so yeah i think things have been pretty good because i've been able to reach out to so many people yeah that's awesome um and listen, I, you know, for me, I don't like quizzes. You know what I mean? And I've struggled with that. I don't really like Zoom that much either, but here we are. Um, so I struggle with it, but this is, Spencer, this pandemic was, no, sorry, it wasn't made for you. That's the wrong wording. But uh, you're, you're, you're made for survival, I think, in, in the new modern world. And um, most seen uh, Spencer's partner in crime. Uh, how have you been recently? Um, yeah, been pretty good. Um, I, of course, I've run away and I've just in another country on my own. Um, so I'm taking this time to kind of uh, focus on the podcast to start with, but also my writing. Um, so really kind of delving into uh, writing and getting better at it. Because um, that for me, it's writing is like a, another form of therapy for me. Uh, so I'm really trying to be good to my own mental health for that. Um, and yeah putting dating on on pause for now because uh i always take uh, breaks from dating after a, after a one or two months stint or something so yeah it's i, I think that's healthy to os oscillate between for sure and i i'm i'm on the same page with writing for me uh, i started my blog because i was doing so much journaling with my cdt and i was like i'm actually really like there's something therapeutic about this so i was like why not make this my co-curricular activity and put more time into writing about myself and and how depressed I was or am and, and anxious I was or am and, and like how I'm getting better and, and what I've learned from it and stuff. So there's just something amazing about writing, whether it's creative writing or personal writing. It's it's just fantastic. Um, Josh, over to you, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I, I'm reasonable. Um, I think like anyone, I've had a lot of ups and downs throughout lockdown. Um, I think the first one was probably the worst in that sort of finding it difficult to adjust like it's you've never really had to do this before like um and so it's always it was quite a shock to the system um 
I think in the second lockdown, um, it shocked me like how quickly everything sort of hyped up to that sort of extreme level of difficulty again, um, and how much I rely on social interactions. Um, and also I'm in the middle of like moving flat at the moment as well. So there's a lot of stuff that's all come in all at once. So a lot, but currently right now, pretty good. Good, good. I'm delighted to hear. So yeah, that's, that's essentially real. It's because back where I'm from, we just say grand and then we go on to say, actually I'm like I'm grand, but I'm actually doing shit right now. It's like, okay, well just, you know, it's okay to say that. So panelists onto, we've had a few questions come in from the audience and I want to prioritize those questions as much as possible. And one of them actually ties into a question that I've had and Rachel's actually answered it brilliantly in the chat. But someone says, I've been on a couple of dates with someone who I quite like, but we're kind of stuck with because he's got Zoom fatigue like me. And so we basically just text and between lockdowns meet up in appropriately socially distanced situations how do you build a connection over time with someone without actually being able to have physical contact? So that's one thing. And I'd like to shape it in the context of a question as well, which is how do you avoid burnout while virtual dating like this, this person obviously has. And also how do you find the right people while virtually dating? So I might go to our dating specialists. Uh, they're here and here in, in, in my camera, uh, Spencer and Mufsin. Do you have any advice, my friend? So I just want to jump in quickly. Um, I think ask the person what they want. If like I I was on a very different page from my boyfriend, and by by saying you know hold on a second, what what do you want from this? Like, am I wasting my time in a much obviously nicer way? Um, you 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 get that clarification. Communication, like Mustin said, is everything. And if you just say you know you know what are you hoping for from this? What what are you looking for? Um, you'll you'll kind of be able to click. Um, you know, and get on the same page or realize that that person isn't right for you. Um, we're investing a lot of time, especially waiting for things to open up again and to meet people in real life. You know, normally you'd find out after the first date if you connect or not. Now you have to wait three months for that to happen. And it is a lot to invest. But I think communication, ask them what they want. You know, hopefully they'll open up to you and you should open up to them about what you're looking for. And it, it will help you get on the same page. Yeah, brilliant. Um, another question has actually come in that I might ask you to answer if that's okay. It's, it's how do you deal now? This is, I'm not saying that you've ever been in this situation. I have no idea, but how do you deal with virtual ghosting? Do you have any, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Have you has, ever had has someone been talking to you? I, <laughs> I, just, I actually asked that question. I've had, yeah. Spencer sent it to me. <laughs> um, well, virtual ghosting is the same thing as regular ghosting, isn't it? Um, it's difficult because especially where we're all investing a lot more time in a virtual space, you know, Zoom calls and phone calls, um, ghosting is difficult because we are small, smaller relationships or mini relationships that last maybe one month or two months, uh, maybe like four or five calls. And, you know, that time racks up and that investment racks up a lot quicker, I think, in lockdown. Mm. Um, so whereas before you may have not cared too much if you've been on two dates and then it kind of fizzled out you know now we are more in touch with the people that we're dating like we'll talk each day and we're on a video call so i think it's actually harder now to deal with uh, virtual ghosting but yeah. also kind of if you have to align your expectations as to what what this is and um yeah it's, i don't think it's ever easy 
uh, I've been ghosted recently and it still took me a while to kind of get over like oh why did it just suddenly why didn't it suddenly just stop Um, and usually when ghosting happens it's not personal to me it's like the people that are doing the ghosting are going through something so I also understand there's two sides of the coin there and actually, Rachel, I might ask you to come in on this here, just from a, a psychotherapist perspective. And um, firstly, you know, dealing about ghosting, but also in a general context, I guess, disappointment or um, mental health difficulties that come with virtual dating, sex life and, and the mental health effects it has. Um, so I wonder, do you have any little tips or anything for people to process that properly? Absolutely. I think that, you know, ghosting is experienced by our nervous systems as a kind of an abandonment. You know, it's a, it's a rejection, obviously, but it's an abandonment that can, can, can sort of stir up all sorts of old stuff for us around feeling, you know, emotionally deprived or um, feeling very confused, which can bring up just loads of stuff potentially from you know, unresolved things from our childhood, things from previous relationships. So, you know, just knowing that even if you're you're telling yourself that it feels like a really disproportionate reaction, if you're feeling like really devastated and upset by being ghosted, that that is, you know, that there's there's nothing wrong with feeling that way. You know, it's just that what usually happens is we go into narrative about that. You know, if we can just stick to the core feeling of what 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 is it? What are the emotions that I'm feeling, or what are the sensations that I'm getting from this? It's usually going to be the same set of stuff, which is fear, sadness, and some anger. Um, and just being able to stay with that instead of shooting off into the story that we might tell us, which is it's because I'm not attractive enough, or it's because there's something really wrong with me, or I'm never going to find a partner, or you know this is just what I I'm going to have to put up with or you know anything like that takes us down another route where instead of just allowing ourselves to go oh that that was painful you know no one likes to be ghosted i you know really endeavor not to treat people like that and i really don't want to be treated like that um you know and you know as spencer said there just or, or Mopsine, just reminding yourself that it's not it's not personal you know if someone is unless outside of you being abusive towards someone if someone is ghosting you that is their own stuff you know, there is always yeah. ways that they could have handled that um, that would have been more respectful and kind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think um, when I was talking about the power of, of journaling and writing, that's something that, actually, that we, we talked about on the podcast. There's something you can do to process these things as well, any difficulties in your life and say, you know, just because I've been ghosted doesn't mean I'm a bad person or that I'm not worth dating because you, you are, you'll, you'll find someone um, for sure. But like, you just have to process the pain in that moment because it's completely okay for you to feel that way and the next question i'm going to actually point towards mike and josh because it'd be great to get the the medical and and business and personal perspective on this is mike maybe to you first like why is there such a stigma still around stis um because i'm sure you've in your field you come across them all the time it's not like they're you know uh, non-existent yeah, thanks. That's a that's a good question, Connor. Actually, and interestingly, I probably come across the most in my elite sport field with the footballers that I work with. But we won't say any more about that. Name but, names. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, if you if I'm gonna sell a story, it'll be to the papers. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Definite joke. No, um, it, it's, it's STIs are a, a really interesting um area actually. There is a stigma around them because they exist really, and and people don't fully understand them. You know, it was it was really interesting hearing Josh's um, personal experiences earlier, and thank you so much for sharing them, 
uh, Josh, because because um, you know that it's, it's a very um, brave and open thing to do. But you know, it, it, there are so many different STIs, and it, it is so important for us to keep healthy in in all aspects of our our, our well-being. And and you know, an STIs is just one of those, really. Um, I, I think that as we've um, you know, science has come kind of, and medical science has progressed. We've we've learned more about them, and we know how to prevent them. So, you know, there is a stigma around them because people don't want to have them really. Um, but having said that, just just if if you do get them, that's not necessarily, you know, the the worst thing on on the planet. It's just that people don't want them. I think you know, Josh made a really really valid and and powerful point earlier about you know hiv which is um it was fascinating hearing a consultant talk about covid the other day and saying that the last time we knew so little about a disease was when hiv first came up on the scene and people thought that just by holding hands that's how you transmit it whereas now you know science has gone so much further down the road that we know all about the transmission and we, and actually it's turned from a disease which kills people to a chronic disease that people live with and they live um the, the normal happy lives and and that's that's such a, a positive thing so so you know i think i think stis is a is a really really challenging topic to approach um and i think there is a real stigma which is partially historically but it's also partially because people just don't don't want to get them but you know I think having said that, I really want to reinforce that message that, you know, if if you do get them, you know, it, we can do all the sexual practices, you know, the good sexual practices that we want, but there is still always a risk um, there that, and sometimes we can't prevent them. However, that's not necessarily, you know, the 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 last, you know, the 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 worst thing in the world. There are things that we can do after that point. So, yeah. so don't want anyone to feel in in that way, basically. And it, it's something that Josh and I actually talked to our last guest on the Reset and Release podcast, uh, John Thomas, who's, who's a porn actor. And he spoke about um, positivity, sexual positivity. And it's easy to be positive about sex when you're in these glorious studios and you're living a fantasy. But it's a different thing to be uh, positive about sex when you're talking about STIs and that side of it. And it's important to show positivity about both when you're an influencer in that field. And um, that's what I think you know, people like, like, you know, at Troglow, the type of things they're talking about, it, it's really important just to destigmatize that. And Josh, you know, just going to you, I'm actually going to reframe the question a little bit because I think Mike covered that brilliantly there. Um, so you had a lot of anxiety after that, um, you know, the, the one night sexual engagement with a sexual partner, and it was around the, the kind of sexual health side of things. And But there's so many mental health um concerns when it comes to uh one night stance uh, or casual sex you know maybe that you'll feel down or, or or you won't be of worth or maybe it's that you're anxious about your sexual health or whatever it might be and i'd like to ask you and, and maybe I'll, I'll ask rachel after is just how can one just be mentally safe and mentally prepare for safe casual sex yeah um yeah, it's a really good question. And just um, wanted to add something on that last one as well. I think um, the way the sort of the media covers um, SDIs, I think is such a huge part of it in terms of it's, if anything, it's a punchline, it's something to be ashamed of. Like, and I think that that sort of influences the way in which people sort of view it. Um, and it sort of stunts the discussion quite significantly as well. 
Um, and yeah, so I, I think that, that that's, that's what has stopped the conversation progressing further and more open tra and transparency about it um, is kind of where we need to sort of get to, but it's a really difficult thing to make people do. Um, regarding sort of like preparing for one night stands and stuff like that, I think it's, it's an area that's, it's an area that's really difficult because if you're, if you're thinking about it in that sense, then there is probably some concern there in terms of, are you, are you comfortable enough to do this? And I think that is, that's one of the things that I probably didn't think about when I first started having sex when I was, when I was younger. Um, and that was sort of like feeling like I wanted to do this, but not necessarily being emotionally prepared and not necessarily having the confidence to say no and not having the confidence to say, you know, I, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't want to get involved in this situation. And I think in the sort of like era of um, dating apps and hookup apps, that's something that is really sort of vital. The amount of friends that I know that have had sexual interactions and hookups with people from um, someone they met on Grindr and they met and the person is not necessarily the sort of person they thought, the person is older than they thought they would be that is so frequent and the amount of friends that turn around and say oh well I still had sex with them because it would have been really awkward to say no or I didn't want to leave or I didn't want to tell them to go home and it it scares me how frequent that's the answer that my friends give um to the extent that it's just like okay it doesn't matter if someone's making you feel awkward about the fact that they are not who they said they are they are not who you thought they were like there is no stigma there in terms of saying, oh, I'm really sorry, not feeling this, go home, whatever. Um, and I think that's kind of the best preparation you can do is being confident and comfortable enough in yourself to say, no, I feel safe, I feel fine. I don't want this, I don't need this, I can leave right now. And that's the biggest prep that I think is something that should be taught and something that yeah. you should be comfortable with when you're growing up and when you're starting to become sexually active it, it's funny because communication is always thought of between one person and another but there's this other thing which is reflection and communicating with oneself and be able to work out you know what are my values what do i want from this sexual experience you know um, and, and even just reinforcing things like i am not defined by this sexual experience you know i'm still a valuable person and i have so many great qualities so i shouldn't have to feel like this sexual experience defines me and communication then, as I said, can can also be between two people. And Rachel, I actually want to ask you a question just that was sent in by um, someone in the group is, okay, sex and lockdown. Okay, yeah, that's 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 going to be, uh, it's a difficult one because of restrictions. Uh, but someone has formed a relationship during COVID and they want to know, how do you build up trust for physical intimacy without physical presence? Um, so I get, and you know, they don't want to rush the person. They want to give it time. What is a concern? They both voice and explored, um, but they want to know, do you have any tips, I guess, to just make each other comfortable and, and be able to proceed to the next step in this kind of weird world? Yeah, you've got loads of time to be talking about this. You can be, you don't have to be having sort of like video or phone sex if you don't want to be or, or messaging sex, but you, you absolutely can if that's what you'd like to, to prepare for. But a bit like what I was talking about earlier, um, you know, most of us could do with spending more time thinking about how to answer the question, what am I into? What do I like? 
um, different ways of answering that. And that, yeah, there's loads of ways to prepare, even if it's just I answered a, another question earlier there by typing, you know, having like asking people deeper questions. You don't have to come up with them all yourself. You know, organizations like the School of Life have amazing decks of cards. You can find, you know, lists of things online of just like questions that are, you know, a bit sort of more um, intimate, I suppose, that don't necessarily have to be about sex but that are going to tell you more about that person and, you know, that you can share more about yourself, about what sort of things you really enjoy, what sort of things make you feel vulnerable. Uh, you might do a sex menu together, you know, things that are an absolute yes that you're really into, uh, things that are a maybe, uh, things that are a sometimes, and things that are a soft no, as in you're not really up for it, but the odd time you might, if the other person really wants to, and you have to chat about that, and then your hard limits where you're like, absolutely not, not interested in going there. It's amazing to me how many more people under the age of 25 now have already done sex menus and they regularly update them and they share them with people before they get intimate, before they even go on dates. And that absolutely does not mean that there is an expectation that you will have sex. Um, just like carrying condoms doesn't mean that you're, there's an expectation to have sex on a date just because you have condoms in your bag or your pocket. Um, but that having a sex menu is a great way to, to be able to laugh and learn more and discover things. Right. Answer. Um, that's actually, that's what you're going to do. Um, yeah. Um, I'll take that. I'll take that away with me. Um, but we're we're running out of time it's it's flown by we could have done i don't know how many hours of this i guess we could have done multiple podcasts with each guest um essentially so i i i want to be conscious that people probably have um dinners to eat and that type of thing so i want to ask one final question before i wrap up with uh, a little mindfulness exercise and that is uh, it's been sent in a couple of times in different formats um, and i think they're quite related so for all panelists um What's one thing you are working towards to push for more change for underrepresented groups? So that's that's one question. But also another question was, how can we create a safe space and support minority groups within the LGBTQIA plus community? So I might leave that that open um, and we don't have that much time. So you might only have a couple of people be able to answer. So if there's anything jumping to your mind there, um, please unmute yourself and go for it. Um, just quickly, I already run um, Instagram platform for the love of queers, uh, which you'll find through Queer Talk. And we try and uh, raise the voices of as many people from the community as possible. Um, it's not uh, a social profile for myself. It's for anyone and everyone that's got something to say, whether we're sharing their voice, their art, you know, their work, their message, their activism, podcasts, music, ev everything. Um, and I think that's a great way to do it, right? It's a, it's a hub for everyone to go to where you'll find all these new people, all these new voices, friends, groups, panels, everything else. Um, so I would definitely check that out. Uh, and if not, to listen to our podcast where we try and be as diverse and accessible as possible. Okay, listen, I, I think that that is, I think it's a good note to finish with. I think um, you've all spoken brilliantly in your own slots. Uh, we've covered everything from how to date and be mentally well during a pandemic from Mustang and Spencer Queer Talk. But we also learned how chatting between friends and sharing, whether it's over a podcast or a virtual cup of tea, can be super powerful. And within your societies, uh, for, for many of you who are part of our, our uh, partner societies in universities, you know, doing that together as a group is amazing or, or just with friends and family, whatever works for you. 
we listened to Dr. Mike from Teacup, who, again, I don't know how he's still awake. Uh, I'd say that one glass of wine went right to the head. Uh, but the amazing work that he does and the team at Teacup do um, to teach you more about the different elements of well-being and, and look after yourself that little bit better through a greater understanding. Because before we can do something right for ourselves, I guess we need to understand what it is we can do right for ourselves. So thank you, Mike, for sharing that. And then we listened to Rachel Jane Cook, the amazing integrative psychotherapist who's from not far from me and, you know, amazing uh, radio personality and also uh, I'm proud to be the first guest on uh, the Reset and Release podcast. Um, Rachel talks about escaping the shackles of normativity in sex, relationships and life. And we will discuss that further on a podcast in the new year. But do check out our first episode with Rachel and follow her on Instagram at Rachel Jane Cook for more um, for, for, for more great resources in all things mental and sexual well-being. And then we heard from the person who brought us all here today, uh, Josh, the, the founder of Troglow, the CEO of Troglow, a company that because he f- experienced uh, sexual and mental discrimination uh, as being a person for the LGBTQ plus community, and said, you know what, nah, not having that, and used his experience uh, and, and his network to make a change. And that's what he's doing here today. So I want to thank all of you for your contributions. You've been amazing, and, and the panel ran brilliantly, and the Wi-Fi held up, which is great. I want to thank all of the university partners that we have. and um, We have great partners in TU Dublin that I mentioned, which I live around the corner from at home. We have Oxford University, we have Liverpool University. Thank you all for being partners, for contributing to Troglow to the ideas to make Troglow the best mental and sexual health app out there, especially for the LGBTQ plus community, but essentially for everyone uh, who has sex, which is a lot of people around the world. Um, we would like to say that the Troglow app will be released in the new year. And if you're interested, you will be added to the wait list and you'll get early access to that and you can you know, make yourself that little bit more sexually and mentally healthy. And also, I've been dropping the Reset and Release podcast a lot. You know what? Because I'm one of the hosts and I want some attention. No, I'm going to mess. It it is because it's a great podcast. Rachel's been honest. We talked to sex tech ventures. We talked to a porn actor. And we want you to be part of our season finale Our season finale will be released next week. So again, please subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform. But we would like you to be part of it. So Umar is just sending a message into the group. And there it is there, a forms link. And what we want you to do is fill in any funny, embarrassing or awkward sex stories that you have. And we will share them on the the Reset and Release podcast um, next week. And we will also say why it actually isn't that embarrassing and that it's actually okay. Um, but we'd love for you to be part of it and you can tell your friends all about it. Um, all of you who've joined have a discount for CAM membership and we'll be sending that to each of you uh, in an email tomorrow as well as all the socials links for everyone. But to reiterate, please follow at Troglow app. Please follow at Rachel Jane Cook. Please follow at queer underscore talk. Please follow T hyphen cup underscore app. And please follow me <laughs> at a mental health journey underscore and guys it's been an absolute pleasure and i know it sounds like i'm finishing right now but what i want to do is actually just finish with a simple mindfulness exercise 
Uh, one that whenever you feel like there's negativity in the world and you're not loving yourself, you can do this and bring some love to your world and let yourself know that you're worthy of all good things. So what I'd like you to do is take a deep breath like we did at the start. Just take a deep inhale and exhale and just come to a comfortable seat. Your spine self-supporting, your feet on the floor, your hands on your lap. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to repeat three sentences after me in your mind or out loud. And after each one, I'd like you to take a deep inhale and exhale and just let the message settle and process within you. So when you're ready, let's begin. I deserve to be loved. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be at peace. It is all going to be okay. Taking a deep breath in and sigh it all out. And you can open your eyes. You can take a stretch. And that is it. Um, so thank you so much for joining us for a bump and mind because sexual health is a grind, but hopefully after listening to these amazing speakers beside me, it'll be slightly less of a grind for you over these next few weeks and months. We don't know what's ahead, but we know that we're building a community here together that can support each other through whatever we go through. Um, so please, guys, do follow everyone on social media. Please do connect. Please do send as many questions as possible. We'll be emailing you tomorrow with all further details. And please also spread the word. Troglow is coming. So everyone, thank you and have great evenings. I need to get more wine. So have great days. Thank you, thank you, listener, for joining us on this extra bonus episode of the Reset and Release podcast brought to you by Globe. I really hope you enjoyed it. And remember that you or your friends can be part of the season finale of the Reset and Release podcast next week. Episode five is going to share your funny, embarrassing and awkward sex stories. So all you need to do is click the link in this episode description will include you so tell your friends spread the word reset release season finale is coming next week thanks